One of the first things new virtual assistants and freelancers are told to do is to find your ideal client. You've heard that before, right? The trouble is if you're new to the online space, you might not be sure about what kinds of clients you want to serve. There are so many kinds of business owners that need virtual support. So how do you know who your ideal client is? Craig Cannings is an OG freelancing expert and the founder of Freelance University. He's helped over 20,000 people from around the world start their freelancing businesses, and so it's safe to say he knows a thing or two about figuring out that dream client. In this episode, Craig is sharing his simple formula for identifying your dream client, plus his five go-to sources for finding high-quality clients. Tune in if you're ready to get clear on who your ideal client is and learn ways to stand out from other virtual assistants and freelancers. You're listening to the Support Squad Podcast, where virtual assistants come together to share their best business tools and tips. Virtual assistant for life coaches Sharon Nissen created the Support Squad with a firm belief in community over competition. Whether you're a new virtual assistant looking for advice on how to get started or an established virtual assistant looking to expand your skills and invite even more abundance into your career, you're in the right place. Working from home doesn't have to be lonely. We're in this together. Now, here she is, the host of the Support Squad podcast, Sharon Nissen. Hey, hey, you guys, welcome into the Support Squad podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. This is going to be one of the last episodes of the year, and it's such a good one. Um, I know some of you are just new to starting your uh, freelancing business, and so figuring out how to find that ideal client can be super confusing. And I have just the absolute perfect person on the podcast today to take us through how to do this and then how to um, separate yourself from other freelancers and other virtual assistants out there so that you can land those dream clients. So before we dive into this conversation, let me tell you a little bit more about Craig. Craig Cannings is the co-founder of Freelance University with his wife, Kelly. Craig has had the privilege of helping over 20,000 students in 75 countries realize their dreams of launching a portable freelance business and lifestyle. He has enjoyed the great freedom of working from home and traveling abroad while raising five wonderful daughters. Uh, Talking to Craig was so fun. He is such an expert. He's been in this industry for a long time and has learned some valuable lessons that he is going to be sharing with us today. So let's dive into this conversation. Hey, Craig, welcome to the Support Squad podcast. (laughs) Hey, Sharon, great to great to be with you. Yeah, I'm so it's so exciting to meet you. I know you do a lot of great things for the virtual assistant community. And you're here today to talk about something that I know a lot of especially new virtual assistants um, find so confusing and mystifying, which is finding your ideal client. And I'm just thrilled to have such an expert here to talk us through that today. But before we get started, since we're just kind of meeting for the first time, I'd love to know a little bit more about you and your business. Can you tell me just more about yourself and how you got started in the online space and what it is that you do now? 
Yeah. So I'm probably a bit of a dinosaur in, in some respects in this, in this small, this uh, sort of short lived industry. Uh, you know, in 2003, uh, I started freelancing and my wife was already a freelancer. And that was our first sort of uh, indoctrination into the freelance world. Uh, and we ended up freelancing to a company that had 40 other freelancers working with them. So we were like this virtual remote company and loved the idea of working from home for the first time and loved this virtual work sort of force that we were kind of collaborating with. And we thought to ourselves, as we kind of worked with this company for a number of years, what would it look like for us to actually teach and train all of these freelancers that are working with these types of companies? And is it possible that we will be more of a remote work society? And we really nailed that one, um, looking right. at, <laughs> uh, at how the world has trended to remote work. And so 2008, we launched a, a university, it was a formerly called VA Classroom, and we were working with virtual assistants, training them up, giving them the skills to be able to work with clients. And, uh, and it really took off from there. Even back in the early days, a lot of people didn't really know what we were doing. This idea of training virtual assistants, are those real people? Are those robots? Like, who are you, who you're dealing with, Mm -hmm. you know, and now we're 13, 14 years removed from that. And virtual assistants is mainstream. People work Mm -hmm. with OBMs and all sorts of different freelancers. And so it's uh, a great time to be uh, in the freelance education space. And so this is year 13 that we are now running what is called Freelance University. That's amazing. It's always great to meet those VA pioneers because even (laughs) I, you know, I've been in, I've only been in the online space for about five years, but even I have seen such a shift over the last couple of years where now at the beginning, I would have to really explain to people what a virtual assistant was. And now people really understand it and get what the whole deal is. So it's fun to see yeah, like you said, virtual assistant go mainstream and be more recognized and so cool to meet such a leader in the industry. Um, so I know one of the things that you're super skilled with helping virtual assistants do is to find that who their ideal client is. Cause we hear mm-hmm. that all the time when we first started for a long time, I would hear the word uh, when I was first getting started, I'd hear the phrase ideal client avatar. And I thought it was like an actual like picture, like a drawing of someone like a cartoon character <laughs> yes. or something. It was like such a new word for me. Um, but I know that you have kind of a simple formula to help virtual assistants discover who that ideal client is. Can you talk us through how that, how that works? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And for those tuning in, I know you all might be at different stages in your business. And, uh, you know, as we talk about your ideal client avatar or your client persona, whatever term you you would like to use, or just the, the person you would love to work with, um, you know, initially when you start off, you, you tend to, and I almost look at it like a, a wide funnel. So at the beginning, your net is fairly wide. In other words, you would like a client with a heartbeat or somebody that's willing to pay you, or you just want that very first client just to get your feet wet and get some experience. And so uh, I understand that initially your ideal client might be uh, much more broad, but in my experience in working with a lot of freelancers is that they go down through a funnel over time and they begin to figure out who they really love to work with and the type of client that is very suited to them. And so just uh, you know, take heart if you're not there yet, you may start a little wide and then you might start going into uh, figuring out your, your niche. And some of the things I want to share, I think, will help you with that as you kind of go through that process. Um, and so when you're trying to figure out your niche it's and the ideal client you want to work with, it's also important to figure out a bit of uh, do some self-reflection on, the, on, on who you are and how you're wired. Because 
that will play a big factor in the type of client that you actually want to work with. So for example, let me give you a few sort of criteria here uh, on, you know, when you're trying to kind of assess uh, who your ideal client should be. Um, First of all, you want to look at your professional background and say, based on all the wonderful skills and all the background experience that I have, does that lend itself well to working with a certain type of client? So for example, I know that uh, in our world, we have uh, executive administrators that worked in corporate for years, left corporate, but have a really good rapport working with C-level executives. And that was sort of their, their market. And they actually now are providing virtual executive services for um, different types of executives. And that came from their background. Um, others may, uh, you know, and you may be the opposite where you're like, I want to leave my background. I don't actually want to <laughs> do anything remotely related to it. But it it, it could be one factor. You know, we have others that have worked in the legal field where there are legal assistants, legal uh, administrators, and they now go back to the legal field, uh, but they're now offering marketing services or they're offering virtual administrative services. So they're they're going back to an industry that they speak the language and they know well. And so, so that might be the first criteria to look at is you know, your professional background. Is that possibly the type of client you'd want to work with? Um, The second criteria I would say is personal interest. And so you also want to work with people that, uh, you know, that might be operating in an area that interests you. So for example, um, a a student of ours uh, has this great passion in textile arts and she's really gifted. She does it as a hobby But she loved it so much, she thought, well, I I imagine there's a lot of textile artists out there that don't know how to market their businesses and aren't really good with social media. So she positioned her whole business around supporting textile artists to build their, you know, online presence. And so she would set up their website, she would do their social media. And so that was an example of somebody that tapped into their own personal interests. Um, and, And that's another criteria that you might look at and say, you know, based on who I am, what would be the type of clients I like to work with? Maybe you're a fitness buff and you're saying, well, I'm going to start with health and wellness coaches because those kind of people are my people, um, you know? So, so looking at your personal interests, uh, and I don't know uh, about you, Sharon, whether, when you started off, whether uh, those are, sort of, you know, and there's other criteria I want to share, but just to stop there for a second, are those things yeah. that you looked at when you were considering the type of clients you want to work with? Yeah, definitely for me. Like what, I loved how you said anyone with a heartbeat, because that's what it was at first. And I remember <laughs> one of my first clients was a dental drill repair person. And I was like, okay, so this isn't maybe going to be my ideal client. But then it was like, like, I like how you mentioned the funnel. Cause it was kind of, then it was like, women business owners, and then kind of moms. And then from there, I started working more with like life coaches. And I really started to to see um, my interests colliding with like mindset coaches and spiritual life coaches. Um, So I definitely saw that funnel and saw how I could serve clients that were aligned with my own personal interests. Sorry, my dog is is, is in my lap right now, but my, my, my listeners are used to that. But um, so, yes, I definitely think, um, yeah, for some of us, we do have that professional background to draw on. But what's so cool about the online space is so many people are doing so many different things that you can really draw on your personal, personal feelings as well. Absolutely. You know, other things that I, that I thought of that I'd add to this criteria. And again, it's just sort of a laundry list of things for you to think about. But um, personality of clients. So there are clients out there that would be classified as type A clients. They're drivers, they're results focused. 
And you might gel with that personality or you might bump up against that personality and you recognize that person will cause me to cry every day. And so because that personality uh, will be emotionally traumatic for me, I'm going to stay away from it. Whereas you might have a personality of a client that's very, maybe they're, you know, you hear terms like heart-centered entrepreneurs, where they're very mission-driven, they they have a great heart, they might be life coaches, they might be counselors, they might be in that just, you know, you know, people that are very passionate about serving people. And you're like, that's kind of me. That's how I'm wired too. So, so looking at the personality is another really important criteria uh, as well. And the way you figure that out is by look, reading their blog posts, looking at what they do on social, uh, looking at their content and reading their like copy and saying, okay, yeah, I really like how this person communicates about mm-hmm. themselves. And I think personality wise, we would be very, very, you know, potentially connected. Um, the other thing is uh, other criteria might be looking at the stage of a client's business. Some of you might like to work with startups. So people are brand new, uh, you know, they're just, a, it's a fresh business and that's kind of a, the type of client you like to work with, or uh, you might like to work with people that are scaling, that you're really good at helping a business. Maybe you're an online business manager and you're going to come in and you're going to systematize their business so that they can scale and grow faster. Maybe that's the type of client you like to work with. And so that, you know, that could be a criteria. Um, it could be specific industries. Some of you might want to work in the real estate space. Uh, you might want to work in the coaching space, authors, you know, all internet or digital marketers, you know, so you may have sort of a broader industry that you see yourself working with uh, as a criteria. The last one I would say is also client's character. This goes a bit with personality. But, you know, you can, in a discovery call, when you meet a client for the first time, you can start to get a sense of their character, you know, how they treat you, how they interact with you and and finding out, is this person a good person? Um, And I know, you know, we joked earlier about the heartbeat, you know, finding any client with a heartbeat. But, you know, early on, you also wanted to find kind clients and clients Mm -hmm. that were good people. And I think um, even when we hire team members, we have a team of about 12 now. um, One of the criteria that we hire on is character. You know, Mm -hmm. are they good people? Do they have great integrity? Because I've known many VAs and freelancers that are working with people that are not, don't have a lot of scruples. Their integrity is not good. And so they their values are bumping up against this client that doesn't have the same values and they are stressed out. So, so those are some criteria to think about or criteria to think about when you're considering who is the dream client that you would love to work with. And you'll figure this out over time. It doesn't happen by the snap of your fingers. Yeah, I totally I totally agree with what you're saying because so often we hear ideal client and we think, okay, realtors that are making such and such dollars a year or something, but that personality piece is so important because when you said the part about you don't want to work with that person that'll like make you cry, and I have um, a friend that's also a VA coach and we've talked about this before where she likes to work with those type A people who are like, you know, this is what I need done. There wasn't a lot of like emotions going on. There like no one was talking about their feelings. Um, Whereas if I worked with someone like that, I might not feel as engaged in my work or I might not feel valued. I needed that, you know, more heart-centered entrepreneur. And so different personality types are going to need different things from a client. So I think that's so important to consider as well. And the values are super important too. And then once we kind of know who that ideal client is, once we get that picture in our head of kind of the industry they're going to be in, um, what what sort of personality they're going to have, what are the best places we can go to start to find and connect with those clients? 
Yeah. So I, I love referrals um, as business. As a freelancer, it was a beautiful thing when you get an email saying, so-and-so told me about you and I'd love to meet you and just talk about how you could support us. I know all of you tuning in, you love those. Like those are like the low hanging fruit of finding great (laughs) clients. And I actually have uh, my oldest daughter's 19 and she early on built a pretty successful professional photography business. So she's a Mm -hmm. freelance photographer and she's now got to the place where everything is referrals. Like she does no more marketing. It's all people her, you know, word of mouth marketing. And so that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And so, so when you're starting out and you're trying to build your referral network, uh, you know, these are five core sources that I recommend you tapping into, and you'll be amazed at how incredible your network is. Some of you might say, I don't know anybody that would, would hire me. Really? Let's like, (laughs) let's drill down and actually think about this a little bit. So, so the first source that I recommend looking at is family and friends. I know some of you may not want to work with family members for your own for own reasons that we don't need to, we don't need to discuss today. But your family members might be you may have a family member that is what Malcolm Gladwell calls in his book Tipping Point, he calls them connectors. Mm-hmm. So they are people that they may not even understand what you do, but they know people and they're connected. Right. And you talk to them and they're like, "Yeah, I actually know a real estate agent here and I know somebody that just started the internet company here and they may actually need your services. Let me reach out to them. So finding the connectors in your personal life that actually may open up doors that you never thought were actually there. And so, so finding your connectors in your, in your own personal relationships. Uh, the second best source, I would say probably it might even be the best source is current and past clients. So if you do have clients, um, the best referral is that this was a very happy client that referred them to colleagues that uh, now would love to work with you. And so, you know, don't be afraid to ask people, not day one, like you've, you've, you're in the second day and you're like, you know, is there anybody else that, you you know, that you could see working with me? That's not very cool. But after you've built a track record and you start to get real good feedback from the client saying, I just really appreciate you. And, and like, Right on the heels of that, you might say, hey, if there's anybody else that you see that might benefit from my services, please pass them along. You'll be amazed at what that will have, what will come out of that. So looking at your family, friends, looking at your past clients, looking at past employers and colleagues, there may be industries you've worked in. Like we go back to the example of the student we had that was in a law office for many years, got burnt out as a legal uh, assistant got trained up in digital marketing of all things, and then went back to the same law firm and said, I'd love to manage your social. I'd love to manage all of your email marketing and, and suddenly played a whole different role and was a freelancer. And so, so that was an example of tapping into an existing sort of employer network uh, as well. The, the fourth source I would say is your local connection. So, so this could be companies, brick and mortar businesses, local businesses in your own backyard that you could meet at networking events, um, it may be people that you already know, the physiotherapist that you see all the time that has a really bad website that you're like, hey, I actually design WordPress sites, love to help you with that project. And suddenly it's like, you know, you, you start to get this referral network happening on a local level. So local connections would be the fourth source. And then the fifth one is, uh, and I, I encourage our students to do this, is setting setting up your own sort of freelancer or VA referral network. So if you've got a VA over here that specializes in writing, they they do copy, they write blog posts, and you've got a VA over here that specializes in design and graphics, well, they may be writing an ebook for somebody, but they don't do the formatting, they don't design the ebook to make it all pretty and looking good. 
but they could pass over to a friend here that actually could do that work. So, so I love seeing cross referrals happening, happening among our students because they've uh, learned to, they got, they built relationships with one another and they want to support each other's businesses. So, so as, as much as there's competition in our industry, there's a lot of collaboration that could take place based on different specializations and focuses. So, so, so those are five sources I would tap into when you're trying to get referrals. Yeah, all of those are so good. And I think everything you mentioned just highlights the importance of relationships in our business, because a lot of times we're so uh, um, into at the beginning of our business, thinking about all these ways to to market ourselves, when a lot of times the the key is in the relationships that we all already have. Like so many of the things that you mentioned, I've seen so many of my clients find their first cl- client by um, going back to a previous employer and being like, hey, I know I no longer work for you, but I offer these services freelance. And um, I've seen so many virtual assistants find uh, clients that way. And then I agree, refer either from clients or other other VAs are some of the most high quality clients you're going to find because it's people that are going to come to you for a specific reason. So I, I totally am on board with everything thing that you shared. And then at the end there, you did, you, you touched on something a little bit, which is that there is a lot of competition in our space. I mean, there's a lot of virtual assistants out there. Um, The folks that know me know that I actually don't believe in competition. There's a lot of us, but I don't believe that we're necessarily like in competition um, specifically with each other. But thinking about that, that there is a lot of virtual assistants out there. How do we get noticed by prospective clients? How can we stand out um, amongst all of the other freelancers out there? Yeah, that you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's the key is to stand out. You know, Mm -hmm. often people will say to me, like, you know, let's say they're wanting to offer convert kit services, you know, an email marketing service. And they're like, well, I looked on, I did some research and there's so many convert kit freelancers. Like, there's no way I can compete. They're all, they all look amazing. And what I first say to them usually is that competition doesn't necessarily mean lack of opportunity. In fact, Mm -hmm. when you see a lot of freelancers popping up in a different space, chances are there's work there. There's opportunities there. So don't look at competition as a always a negative thing. You could find this, you could carve out this micro niche and, and realize, okay, nobody's doing, you know, this particular thing. And then you realize, well, wait a sec, there's actually not many, there's not many clients. There's not a lot of work there either. So, mm-hmm. so competition isn't a bad thing, you know, that, but you're right, Sharon. I mean, it's, it's trying to figure out how do you make yourself distinct and, and unique. And, and I think a, a couple different ways. I mean, first of all, you definitely, you know, you can make yourself unique through how you present yourself in social and on your website. And so, so going through sort of that personal branding process. So, so, and this goes into things like your personality, how are you wired? Because there's nobody quite like you and you can inject elements of your personality. Like we do, we don't show everything to all of our people. We don't know that don't know us, but we'll show elements of our personality, you know? And I, it was interesting. I saw this play out, you know, really in a cool way years ago when there was a friend of mine that his wife had kind of been burned by a VA. The VA didn't work out and then stopped working suddenly. And she was like, okay, I'm never working with virtual assistants for the rest of my life. <laughs> Literally, she said that. And then uh, her her husband was in a mastermind group with me. And she says, well, I, I, want, I want to introduce you to Craig because I, I really feel like he's a good guy and he knows a lot of really good VAs. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, and then finally he convinced her and I saw she was a very heart-centered entrepreneur. Uh, she wore her heart on her sleeve. That was kind of her personality. And so 
I went into our network and I found somebody that had not an exact personality, but I'm like, wow, these personalities together, she's kind of zany. She's a little bit outside the box, this VA, and yet so is this entrepreneur. Long and the short of it is we match them together and they are like five years in working mm-hmm. together. And, mm-hmm. and I constantly got emails from this friend's wife saying, you know, can I just thank you again for that <laughs> referral? You've instilled, yeah. you've instilled my uh, belief in virtual teams again, that I could actually work with a great wow. virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that was because this BA had branded herself in, in a, in a unique way. And so, so you definitely brand yourself by your personalities. Uh, you brand yourself by your specialization. And so we're uh, a big proponent of, of trying to niche down a little bit. So mm-hmm. if you're going to be a blogger and you're offering blog writing services, um, if you say I'm writing, I'm offering blog writing services to all businesses, well, that doesn't make you very distinct. It makes you kind of generic. And so maybe you are somebody that offers blog services to the financial market. You have a financial background. Maybe you were a financial planner in your day and you realize that's a space you could speak to, or you are currently a mom and you know the, the challenges of raising a family in this, this world that we live in. And you would be ideal to write for parenting sites or to be a freelancer to mommy bloggers or, you know, things like that. So, so again, looking at niching down, that's another way that you can make yourself, uh, you know, really uh, distinct as well. There's probably a lot of others, but those would be a couple uh, on the top of my head. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. I've definitely seen that with a lot of like my students and clients, as soon as they niche down even a little bit, and especially once they start to show their personality um, on, on Instagram or wherever they're marketing, that's when they start to really connect with the, with clients. I love that those are the two things you're, you mentioned, because I really do feel like that combination of finding that thing you're really good at, and then in, injecting yourself into it. I think that is what really makes you stand out because if if a client is looking at a million different people offering similar services eventually they're going to choose the person that they connect personally connect with and so i think that's so important and i t- i totally agree um i just want to thank you so much for everything that you shared today because um if i think about like everything you shared it really comes down to to really building relationships and utilizing connections and um finding a community inside like virtual assistant world as well. All of those things I think helped so much and in, in finding clients. And um, thank you so much for demystifying mm-hmm. the process of, of how to, to figure out who that ideal client is. And I know that everyone listening, um, especially knowing that you're one of the, the VA pioneers, <laughs> I'm sure everyone is going to want to get in touch with you, learn more from you. So where can Support Squad listeners find you and learn from you and work with you? Yeah, you could check out a lot of our free resources and training at FreelanceU, so the letter U, FreelanceU.com. So we have a blog, a podcast. we got some free resources for you to check out, as well as we got a full-fledged university with 80-plus courses. And we basically are like the Netflix of freelance education. So you can come in, check out all of our training for a low-cost monthly or annual fee. And that's uh, us. You can see us at FreelanceU.com. Very cool. You guys all have all of those links in the show notes for you. And Craig, one thing I always like to ask my guests is just what's one thing about you that's separate from your business, whether it's a hobby or just something you enjoy doing? <laughs> Great question. Yes. Well, I have uh, five daughters and wow. so uh, never had a son and I'm 
quite fine. Thank quite fine with that. Although people <laughs> always ask, you know, didn't you want that boy? And I'm like, right. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to do with a boy. I've right. I, you know, so indoctrinated into the world of raising girls. Mm-hmm. And so they, yeah, they have been sort of, uh, my, my wife and I have run a business, you know, together uh, at home, raising our family. That's been sort of our lifestyle for the last many years. And so our kids have never really known this concept of a parent that goes out of the office to out of the home to wow. work. And so, yeah, I think something distinct about me is just, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the throes of raising five, I shouldn't say I, we, <laughs> my, my wife plays a very big role uh, in, in raising um, five teenage girls. And so we're now at the, the youngest is just about to enter third. She's turning 13 in less than a month. And my oldest is 19. So it's 13, 15, 16, sorry, 14, 15, 17, 19. And it's uh wild and crazy and loud. And uh, I wouldn't change and I wouldn't change it for the world. I absolutely love that. And I love that you and your wife are doing this like entrepreneurial thing together. Like what a fun journey to go on. I'm just curious. Do you think that that's rubbing off on your daughters? Are, is it is it making them want to be entrepreneurs too? Or are they like, I don't want to, I'd rather go into like a corporate job and just have a job. Like I would imagine there's like a spectrum there. <laughs> yeah. We've never been this place where we said, you know, you must be an entrepreneur or <laughs> right. else like us. Because you and I both know, Sharon, I mean, it's a hard journey, you know, yeah. being a, being, it, it wasn't easy to get to the place that we are. And so it's, yeah. it's, you have to really be wired, you know, to do this entrepreneurial thing. But, uh, but on this other side, I have to say that they, they have been influenced indirectly. And so, you know, my uh, one daughter has a clay jewelry business that cool. she set up a Shopify store and she sells on Etsy and does pretty well, actually uh, <laughs> much better than a part-time job in high school. And then I we have it. our other daughter that started freelancing as a photographer uh she just did 15 weddings this last summer oh my gosh wow and so 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 yeah has it rubbed off on them absolutely it's interesting because we actually homeschooled a lot of our kids throughout uh not all their years but for a number of their years and my oldest daughter and i spoke at a homeschool conference uh it was a virtual conference last year about this idea of raising young entrepreneurs and it Mm -hmm. was it was so cool to hear her perspective on how she viewed us. And it, again, it wasn't like <laughs> coercion. It was just like, I was kind of wired this way. And then I saw how my parents were and, and it's kind of a natural next step and right. whether she'll have another job down the road or work for somebody one day, who knows, but this is, she's, she's much more entrepreneurial inclined than even I was at, at that age. So right. it'll be interesting to see what she does. I think that's so cool that you've provided that model for them and and given them something to something to think about because I think there's just so much freedom and entrepreneurship. So I love the idea of five girls seeing their mom and dad like work together to build such a cool thing. I think that's awesome. <laughs> so Craig, it was just wonderful to meet you. I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us today, teaching us so much about how to find our ideal client. I know that's just something that so many people struggle with. So thank you for demystifying that for us today. And it was great to meet you. (laughs) Yeah, great to be with you today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into the Support Squad podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for this episode on thesupportsquad.com. If you liked today's episode, I'd love for you to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts got questions or want to chat about what you heard today, find me on Instagram at at the Sharon Nissen and shoot me a DM. I'd love to chat with you. Talk soon.